The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Main Street Vegan, a lively hour with host Victoria Moran, best-selling author and the OG of vegan living for over 40 years. She and her guests have got the goods to help you look and feel amazing, make a difference for animals, and discover the soulful side of the vegan journey. Now, here's Victoria. You know when you're going to meet somebody and then somebody says something really good about them, it makes the prospect of meeting them even cooler than it was when you were already excited about meeting them. And that is precisely what happened with the guests that will be joining me on the Main Street Vegan program today. I was with Dr. Milton Mills this morning and asked if perhaps he knew the two women you'll be meeting in a minute. And he said why I met them at the Little Rock Veg Fest. Mm -hmm. I was very moved by the depth of their spirituality and their appreciation of the spiritual side of food and how our food choices can help facilitate a relationship with God. So with pre-vetting from Dr. Milton Mills, mm -hmm. it's going to be so much fun to talk with these women today. Wow. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, and this is the Main Street Vegan Podcast. I believe we are coming up on episode number, oh my gosh, I should remember these better. I think we're going to be calling this 477, and so happy to have you with us today. Now, who you might be thinking are these amazing women who are getting all kinds of accolades all over the place. They are Gigi Carter and Circe Blue. And together, they wrote my current favorite book. I know I'm always getting favorite books, but you know what? Can't help it. If they wouldn't be so great, then they wouldn't have to be my favorites. Their book is Daniel Fast, Why You Should Only Do It Once. Now, you heard that Dr. Milton Mills likes these women, well, we got some other people, you know, who actually like the book, and that would be Dr. Neil Barnard. This beautifully written guide puts its power in your hands, and Dr. Joel Furman, the Daniel Fast, Why You Should Only Do It Once, can save many lives. So, Gigi is a certified nutritionist. Cersei is a health coach, and together they have created Healthy for My Purpose, a program birthed during the pandemic to address the impact of comorbidities and the disproportionate number of COVID-19 deaths in the Black community. Welcome, Cersei and Gigi. 
Oh, thank you for having thank you having us. We're excited to be here. Well, I am so happy to be having you too. I have just been delighting in this book. It's a very user-friendly book. It even lets you write in it. How can you not love a book like that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so where are you located? Where am I talking to you? Yeah, I'm in I live in Washington State in the Pacific Northwest. Ooh, beautiful. And I'm in uh, Georgia, right on the border of Jacksonville, Florida. So okay. I kind of say I'm a Floridian and a Georgian at the same time. Well, you <laughs> you wrote a book with lots of time zones in between. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah. So where did it all start? Before we start with where the book started, where did your stories start? And we'll we'll start with you, Cersei. Okay, for me, my story started back in 2010. I was actually diagnosed with high blood pressure in the last trimester of my pregnancy. And so at the time, I, I wasn't really concerned. Actually, I just didn't really know much about high blood pressure. I knew that my mom had it, my grandmother had it. Um, and so what I didn't know then that I know now is that women who have high blood pressure are at a higher risk for complications before, during, and after their pregnancy. And this is even higher for African-American women. And so what happened was I ended up having a complication during delivery and my son lost oxygen to his brain. Um, and so he had to be resuscitated. And for the first year of his life, um, he had to basically have 24 hour care because he wasn't able to do like simple things like drinking on his own. He had to have a feeding tube and just, you know, various things to, um, to live. And so we had to basically take care of him around the clock, um, for his first year of his life. And then a little bit after his first birthday, he ended up passing away due to a complication. And as you can imagine, the devastation, because I think even the pregnancy was a trauma in of itself. Um, but then after losing him after his first birthday, it, that too was also traumatic for myself, for my family, um, just my community in general. Um, and so I think at that point I was, you know, I had a lot of support, family, friends, church, community, but I was still at the darkest point in my life as a mom. And so I remember that I was, um, I still had the blood pressure issue, obviously due to the stress and obviously my eating habits. I was, you know, eating the standard American diet and then some, um, and then I was probably the heaviest I have ever been. And partly that was due to the fact that I was using food to kind of cope um, during this time as well. So that added to the dynamic. Just out of the blue, one day, a friend of mine came up to me and said, hey, I'm going to be doing the Daniel fast. You want to join along with me? Um, and I remember at the time, because again, like I was telling you that, you know, you're kind of self-medicating with food. You're kind of in this funk, in this little place. And I remember saying to her, uh, I know I've done the Daniel fast before in the past with my church, but I used to tweak it and just kind of add things that I wanted to add in. So I said to her, I'll do the Daniel fast with you, but I'm going to have to add some eggs, some cheese. And I had my own little list of what I was going to add in. And I remember like it was yesterday. She said to me, listen, she just arrested me right on the spot. She said, if you're going to do this Daniel fast, you're going to have to do exactly the way it's designed. And for some reason, and I obviously know now why, that whole concept just arrested me in the moment. And I said, okay, I'm going to do the Daniel fast exactly the way it's designed. And for those of you listening who are not familiar with the Daniel fast, 
it's basically the story taken out of the Bible with Daniel, who was in a position where he was basically offered to eat the king's diet, but he knew that this diet did not align with his values in God. And so he decided to refuse the king's diet, which was basically your cheese, your meat, your wines, and all that kind of rich food. And instead, he he proposed a challenge. And he said, listen, if I just eat plants for the next 10 days, um, and then you compare how I look with the other um, men who are eating the king's diet. If I don't measure up, then I'll go ahead and eat the king's diet. And after the 10 days, they looked healthier um, and was healthier than the people that were eating the king's diet. And so that's where the inspiration comes from. Millions of churches around the world do this Daniel fast. So here I was back to my story. Um, I said, okay, I'm gonna do this Daniel fast with you. And it's basically the cleanest form of a whole food plant-based diet. So you don't have any preservatives and sugar and caffeine. And you know, it's just really a clean, whole food plant-based diet. And then you're combining that with meditation and prayer and devotionals and fellowship with the person that you're doing it with. And so I jumped in exactly the way it was designed. And guys, I can't tell you if it was three weeks or four weeks, but it was as if the windows of heaven just opened up for me. Um, I just remember having so much mental and spiritual clarity, you know, being able to hear God's voice more clearly, losing the weight, managing or halting my high blood pressures. You know, I lost over 50 pounds and I just, my depression was gone. It was almost like I couldn't believe it. I thought, wait a minute, maybe this was just a miracle. And, you know, you know, all of this just happened. And so I couldn't believe that just by changing what's at the end of my fork, even though before that I was praying, I was connected to community, I was getting counseling, I was doing all these things, but it was almost like the magic touch was the idea that I changed what was at the end of my fork, opened this window of, uh, of a miracle for me. And so I said, wait a minute, I not, I need to find, I need to research this some more. Was this a miracle? And so I started to do some research and I realized that the only diet that has ever been um, confirmed to reverse heart disease was a plant-based diet. And then I saw that it helps with diabetes and high blood pressure and weight loss and preventing cancers. And the list just went on and I went, wait a minute, this wasn't so much an anomaly as much as it was that I was now in alignment with what was already um, working. And so I started to do a little more research into the book of Daniel. And I saw that, you know, not only was he tent, not only was he healthier than the, his peers, but the Bible also says that he was 10 times smarter. And so he had mental and spiritual clarity and he was interpreting dreams. And they, they said he was above all the musician, magicians and all the people of that time. And so you look at the life of Daniel, that was a teenager when he refused the king's diet to when he was 80, 80 years old in the lion's den. He just lived a miraculous life. And I saw that it started with him refusing the king's diet. And my life opened up when I decided to refuse the king's diet. And so I just went and dedicated the rest of my life to help people connect their food to their faith. Ah, okay. That was a sermon I could hear over again. That was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. And how about you, Gigi? Yeah, so my story goes back to 2007. Um, I went in for a routine wellness exam and the doctor did both a, a blood draw, like a lipid panel, but then he also did a carotid artery scan of my neck. And it just basically um, is an ultrasound that shows 
how much plaque you have building up in your arteries. And then they kind of interpret that for you by saying what your arterial age is. And the doctor uh, told me that um, based on the ultrasound, that I had the arteries of a 46 year old, even though I was only 35. And my lipid panel showed that my cholesterol was very high. And uh, he recommended I start taking a statin drug. And it was kind of a shock to me because I'm I'm sitting here thinking, hey, I'm 35. Isn't this something you prescribe to people in their 60s and 70s? You know, not someone in 35. And he said, no, I mean, you are at risk of a heart attack. And if, you know, I recommend you take this statin drug. And I knew at the time I wasn't necessarily taking the best care of myself in terms of eating the king's diet, um, rich food, you know, a lot of meat, wine, cheeses. And um, I didn't know at that time about the Daniel fast necessarily. But uh, what I did learn was that Dr. Dean Ornish did this amazing study called the Lifestyle Heart Trial that showed that you can reverse heart disease through a whole food plant-based diet and other lifestyle changes. And so I knew that if I could change my diet, that I wouldn't have to go on the statin drug. So I basically walked out of the doctor's office. I told him I wasn't going to take his prescription and wasn't going to take a statin. I walked out. And as I learned more about the the Dean Ornish diet, I'll just call it that, <laughs> I remember saying to myself, you mean no, no fish, you know, no cheese, no eggs. I was like, this is crazy. I can't do this. So I um went to what I thought was the next next best thing, which was what does the government recommend <laughs> as a healthy diet, which I giggle about that now. And they basically said, you know, eat four to five servings of fruits and vegetables a day, go for low fat dairy and go for poultry instead of red meat. And so that's what I did. I, I went to what the government said was a healthy dietary pattern. And my cholesterol went from horrible to borderline bad and stayed there for about five years. And um, by the time I was approaching my late 30s and early 40s, I remember I was starting to really gain weight. I was really feeling sluggish and my energy was low. And a friend of mine invited me to do uh, something called the master cleanse, which is basically a concoction of like lemon juice and maple syrup and cayenne pepper. And uh, you're supposed to do it for 10 days. I, I only lasted for five days the, and I did it a few times during the year. Um, but the protocol in that cleanse says that after you finish the cleanse, you should um, you should consume basically vegetable broth, fruits and vegetables for about three days before going back to your normal so-called healthy diet. So I did that. And I would say maybe by the second or third time I did the cleanse, I realized that I didn't feel good eating my regular diet. I didn't feel good doing the master cleanse, but I actually felt good when I was in that transition, the three days of just eating vegetables and fruits. And so in um, January, 2012, my husband and I came back from vacation and we just completely overdid it. We were just eating all the wrong foods and I knew I'd gained some weight. I could just feel my body just felt sick. 
And I decided that, you know, I was going to transition to a vegetarian diet because at this point I was still kind of hung up on not eating cheese. So I said, okay, I'll go vegetarian because I think I can live with that. So I, over the course of six months, I transitioned to a vegetarian diet. You know, I started off eating vegetarian twice a week and then, excuse me, two days out of a week and then three days. And then, you know, basically over that course of six months, I became a full-fledged vegetarian. And so it was June of 2012 when I kind of, you know, publicly told people I'm a, I'm finally a vegetarian and I was a vegetarian for just one month (laughs) because one month later, I um, watched two documentaries back to back. One was Forks Over Knives and then Earthlings. And being an animal lover, I realized the cognitive dissonance that I was I was exhibiting <laughs> over the years of loving my animals, but eating other animals. And so um, and then I also realized that even though I knew the work of Dr. Dean Ornish back in 2012, when I was first diagnosed, um, excuse me, not 2012, it was 20, 2017, when I was first diagnosed with the high cholesterol, I, it was that the, the documentary, I think made it more accessible in my head that I could actually do it. And so between those two documentaries, I walked into my uh, kitchen where my husband was sitting. I think it was on a Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember exactly, but it was on a weekend. And I said, honey, I'm going vegan. And to my delight and surprise, he said, okay, I'll do it with you. So he's been vegan with me since July, 2012. You know, and and what happened to me after that was kind of like Cersei. It was kind of a miracle. It felt like a miracle. Um, For me, I lost the weight I had gained. My cholesterol went well within the healthy range. I experienced, you know, mental and spiritual clarity. I had so much energy. I started bike racing at the age of 42 years old and I'm, you know, 52 now and I'm still bike racing and dedicated the rest of my life to helping other people, you know, take control of their health. And so um, Cersei and I kind of met in the middle of the pandemic and, um, you know, just found this common bond with each other. And so we've been, you know, kind of partners in crime, so to speak, ever since. (laughs) So you found each other online? Yes. Yeah. There was, we, we actually, um, we, we met because I was on her podcast and then she came on to my YouTube channel and she wrote a blog article for me about her story, basically doing the Daniel fast as a jumping off point to a plant-based lifestyle And then uh, when I was working out on my bike one day, I was just kind of thumbing through the story. And I was like, you know, this could really help a lot of people out there. Like there are a lot of Christians really struggling with their health. And um, so I reached out and she just kind of quickly responded. Yeah, I'm in. I'll I'll collaborate with you. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Well, I am so glad you did. It's a beautiful book. It has big print. You know, you get to a certain age and. (laughs) <laughs> that feels like a gift. So the print mm. is is big and it's either double space or space and a half. I mean, it's about the easiest to read book I've seen in a really long time. It's full of science and it's full of love. So we've been referring to this very rich way of eating as the king's diet. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, 
a lot of poor people are eating it. Where's the problem? Yeah. Yeah. I would say what we call it today is the standard American diet because it's really a diet that's high in animal products, high in processed foods, um, low in nutritional value, low in fiber, low in antioxidants, low in all those beneficial compounds that our body needs to stay healthy and um, refusing basically the king's diet in today's time is that standard American diet. I get it. And with the meat foods and the fast foods being so subsidized and being cheap and it's easier to feed a family stuff that is going to make them sick than to make a salad. Whoa, we've got some work to do. And thank goodness, amazing people like you are doing it. So tell us about the importance of being a steward of your health. I know you talk about healthy for your purpose as opposed to just healthy so you can have more fun and make more money. What we realized is that, you know, a lot of times we kind of disconnect our health um, as a separate entity. Like we could just, you know, go on a diet, eat healthy, but ultimately, um, you know, what Gigi and I are saying is that you need to be healthy to carry out your divine purpose, right? And a lot of times when we are caught up with a chronic health issue, or we're tied down with doctor's visits, or we're, you know, or our lives, frankly, are shortened, it, it takes away for our ability to not only live out our purpose, but to even thrive in the mental and spiritual clarity of what your purpose actually is. And so, we honestly believe that once you start taking care and being a steward of your health, what you're really saying is that you're valuing the mission that you have on this planet so that you can do more, serve more, give more. And by taking care of your body, you're, you're basically saying that, that you are um, honoring that concept. Beautiful. Anything to add to that, Gigi? Yeah, I mean, I would just also add that, you know, our body, you know, if you're a believer, it's it, it houses the Holy Spirit, like it is a temple. And it's really something that I don't think a lot of people think about, you know, in a conscious way, because if we thought of it more as a temple, we wouldn't put garbage in it. Simply put, you know, we wouldn't put foods that are toxic to our bodies that you know, damage our bodies, you know, at a cellular and tissue level, things like, you know, the processed meats, the basically the King's diet or that standard American diet, you would look at your food choices a lot differently if you really embraced that, that concept that your body is a temple. Absolutely. And I love how, how you mix in the spiritual beliefs and the science, you have little sections that say, what does the science say? And I see in one section, you list some of your favorite plant-based uh, health books. And I think you've just made fabulous choices. You've got How Not to Die by Michael Greger, Eat for Life, Joel Furman, The Alzheimer's Solution, Dean and Aisha Sherzai, Fiber-Fueled, Will Bukowitz, uh, Your Body in Balance, Neil Barnard, 
and Nourish. And that is for kids nutrition. And that is uh, Reshma Shah and everybody I've mentioned heretofore, a medical doctor, and also for Nourish, Brenda Davis, who is a wonderful registered dietitian who's been on our program several times. So love those books and so waiting for Dr. Greger's How Not to Age, (laughs) which should be coming out in a while. So you have one suggestion and you talk about the power of saying grace. Mm -hmm. And I, I really find that a powerful practice as well. So tell me your take on that. Yeah, it it falls in a line with honoring your plate and, you know, looking at your plate as an extension of your values, an extension of, you know, um, of what God has for you. Cause I think a lot of times we've grown up just kind of saying grace on autopilot, like bless this food, thank you, move on. But the question is, is this food worthy to be blessed? And I think if we take that moment to be intentional, if we take that moment to pause, because a lot of times we're eating in a rush, we're, we're, we're just grabbing this and grabbing that. But if we can make eating a time where we pause, where we reflect, where we look and say, is this worthy to, to be blessed? Um, and I think it can shape the way we put into place and not only what's in the plate, but how did it get to our plate? And, you know, all the other layers that happens, it, it can be a challenge point for you to be accountable to yourself, be accountable to your values. Um, and, and, and we do it three, four times a day. So it's a constant reminder to keep yourself in alignment with, with what you're trying to live out. That's so lovely. In my history, I come from a compulsive overeating background. Mm-hmm. And over 40 years ago, before I was vegan, mm-hmm. I was in one of these binge states. And I remember driving out of a Wendy's with one of those chocolate frosty things. I guess they still have those. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And because I'd just been raised that you always say thanks for your food, mm-hmm. I started to say a little grace over this awful concoction that I was going to eat in a car, making me a less safe driver. It just hit me. If you can't say thanks for this food, then you shouldn't be putting it in your body. Mm -hmm. Right on. (laughs) And, And yet it's so, it's so wonderful when you're looking at this food that is just exquisitely glorious and, and colorful and, and, fresh and live and amazing. Yeah. You just want to thank God and the farmers and the yes. truckers and the grocery yes. clerks and the yes. earthworms because it's like this wonderful collaborative feast. And the and the great thing is that grace is already built into your system. So it's not something that you have to try to do. You already saying grace. Now you're just um leveling it up by now having that moment where you can challenge yourself about the grace you are already saying. So it's an easy thing that people can apply because you're already doing half of it. Now you're just doing the other half. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's lovely.
All right, we are back with Gigi Carter and Cersei Blue and their really delicious book called Daniel Fast, Why You Should Only Do It Once. So I just want to ask a question about that, because I know that in lots of churches that I have seen, people do the Daniel Fast, and sometimes it's 21 days, and sometimes it's 30, and then we're getting back to normal. How do we make this normal? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll kick it off yeah. and then let Cersei mm-hmm. um, take it home. But you know, I <laughs> I think the biggest reason why it isn't normal to just sustain those gains is because of what people go into the Daniel fast with in the first place, like their intentions for doing it. Like Cersei said, you know, a lot of churches do this together as a group. So the congregation will go through it together. And so if you're entering it with, hey, I'm going to, you know, focus on, you know, financial prosperity or, you know, something unrelated to your health, you're not going to, you're going to kind of have this blind spot around the benefits it's doing to your physical body. And so I think the reason, one of the reasons why is people don't walk into the Daniel fast to begin with, to use it as a way to restore their health. Yeah. And I think that's where the concept that we are trying to pique people's curiosity right from the beginning and saying, you should just do this once. It shouldn't be something that you're doing every January or, you know, every Easter or whenever people decide to do it is to kind of let people flip the switch on to say, wait a minute, the whole reason why we were inspired to do the Daniel fast in the first place is because Daniel was healthier than those that were eating the king's diet. So really it is just going back to the root of where the Daniel fast was actually inspired from. It was that they were healthier. And I think Part of that is giving us this hope that, listen, if we eat like Daniel, if we eat a whole food plant-based diet, we already see studies show that you you are healthier. Mm -hmm. You will become healthier. You will stand out than those who are eating the king's diet. Yeah. And I, and I also want to add the, the mental and spiritual clarity around that. It's like when you go into doing the Daniel fast and you're doing it, you know, you're combining the food piece with the prayer, you know, it, you do get this mental and spiritual clarity. Like why not have that all the time? Like, why does it have to be just four weeks, three weeks out of the year? And so, you know, there's the physical piece of it in terms of lowering blood pressure, reducing, you know, improving insulin sensitivity and, you know, uh, reversing high cholesterol, all those benefits that you get, but then you go back and then you kind of revert back to those physical chronic diseases. But then that mental, you know, fogginess comes back, you know, that, and, and that mental fogginess is, is attributable to not having the clarity. Um, and everybody that we've talked to and Cersei and I, you know, Mm -hmm. both shared this before is that when we did this, you know, we could hear God's voice more clearly. I mean, even like today, I could hear God's voice more clearly today than I could, you know, 15 years ago when I was eating the standard American diet. And, um, and so why not want to be in that position where not only is your physical body restored, Mm -hmm. but you also have that, that better communication and connection, Mm -hmm. you know, with God. 
That's so interesting that you would bring that up because Dr. Mills and I were having that discussion this morning because he discovered this in, in his spiritual journey when he became vegan. He felt that he had a closer communication with God. And people listening to this who may be secular people who may be kind of looking at, you know, religious spiritual stuff with a little bit of, mm, not sure about that. But Pythagoras, the father of vegetarianism, believed that you simply did not have the brainy bandwidth to study with him philosophy, mathematics, or athletic training if you weren't on what we would today call a raw vegan diet. Mm. So it's fascinating that, that people in antiquity understood this and anybody today can get it. So I do have a couple more questions specifically on the Daniel Fest, and I want to talk a little bit about food, like cooking and stuff like that. <laughs> but my first question back to the Daniel Fest is the terminology. So it's not called a Daniel fast in the Bible. I mean, when fasting is referred to in the Bible, we know it means complete abstention from food. So do you know how it got that name? Because when I first heard about it, I thought, wow, I must be really cool because I've been fasting for 35 years and I'm still walking around. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's it's simply inspired by the story of Daniel refusing the king's diet. So when you read that scripture and he says, let me put it to the test, you know, Dr. Gregor says that the Daniel fast was the first clinical study for a plant-based diet, you know. So when he just says, listen, let me put it to the test. Let me only eat plants for 10 days. The other people can continue eating the king's diet and let's see what happens. And what happened was that they were healthier and looked healthier than those eating the king's diet. So, so that's where the inspiration comes. So it's kind of the Daniel fast coined after him, but it's basically what happens when you just eat plants. And so it's inspired by Daniel doing it. And so that's how it's titled. Yeah. So for anybody who wants to do it, I mean, most of our listeners are plant-based eaters, but what you mentioned, Gigi, there's a prayer component, there's other stuff. Do we include caffeine? How about sugar? Give us the whole parameters of a Daniel yeah. fast. Yeah. So the Daniel fast is actually a super clean, whole food, plant-based vegan diet. So there's no caffeine, there's no added sugar, anything that's sweetened, it's sweetened with fruit. Um, there's, there's no processed foods, um, minimally processed things like, you know, canned chickpeas or beans or, you know, that kind of thing is fine. Um, but it's, it's just super, super clean. And the, the, the goal around this again is, you know, you're kind of detoxing your body. We've had what I'll affectionately call junk food vegans go through our program as well. <laughs> and they love it. You know, some of them have gotten off of alcohol, maybe it became too much of a routine in their life. And so this was a great way for them to, um, get off of alcohol. Um, and so it, it, you know, and there's more studies coming out about, you know, the the health effects of you know vegan junk food i'll call it um not necessarily being beneficial for your health uh so this is a way to kind of reset your body and it's you know open to anybody whether you're already following a plant-based or vegan diet right now or not um and then you know quite frankly if you're already eating su eating super clean but you don't have the the spiritual or the faith component woven into your daily life, this is a great way 
to do it. Okay, you've checked the box on the on the food piece, which is great. So you're good with that. But then there's also this daily prayer. There's some devotionals and meditations in the book that can help guide someone through that as well. Because one of the things we really try to unpack in there is this idea of not allowing food to be your God and to really use um, your relationship with God and your spiritual practices as a way to meet your needs rather than running to the chocolate cake or the pies and the junk food and the processed food, which we live in a very stressful time. And a lot of times we are using food to self-medicate. And so we unpack that in this book on how you can meet your needs with God and not with food. Well, it's a beautiful book. I'm just, I'm just crazy about it. And I must admit that my very, very, very favorite part, maybe the recipes <laughs> on the one hand, after being vegan for 40 years, one would say, last thing this woman needs is another recipe. And yet we must just agree about food. We must have had similar grandmothers or something because I just love your recipes. And I want to start with the very first one. You actually give a recipe for date syrup. Uh And this is so interesting to me because that is something, of course, now you can get everything from Amazon. But in the days when we really shopped and I still kind of like brick and mortar, It was always such an undertaking to go out and find date syrup. It was a very sort of gourmet kind of thing. And you show us how to make it. And it's so easy. Yeah. So who's the cook? Who figured all this stuff out? Well, Cersei and I kind of tag team on this. um, And, you know, the date syrup is is such a foundational uh, recipe because it goes into a lot of different other you know, ingredient or recipe. So it goes into things like our baked oatmeal. It goes into some of our salad dressings even. Um, And we've got a lot more recipes on danielsplate.com. But date syrup is that that's what sweetens the food. And it's done because in a, in a whole food way, because you're basically softening the dates and um, mixing it with water and a little bit of lemon juice, and you're blending it into a, a syrup or a paste. And you just add it to whatever you want to add something sweet to. And it just, it, it does everything you want it to do. It's, it's, I'm buying dates all the time because I'm using them all the time. <laughs> so Well, that's a lovely one. And then I want to move over to mocktails. And I do have an announcement uh, to make to all the listeners. That is that we are involved in development, which means fundraising, for a wonderful vegan-themed feature film called Miss Liberty, a fictional story of a cow who escapes from a slaughterhouse and the human drama that ensues. So very, very excited about that. If you're interested, just uh, contact me through the MainStreetVegan.com website. We can get you some more information. If you're interested and you're in New York City and want to know about these events coming up, uh, you can contact me that way too. And I'm wondering, Gigi and Cersei, could I borrow these recipes, the grapefruit mocktail and the Italian mocktail? That would be so much fun for 
fancy people to carry around on a lovely evening soiree. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thank you. We can call them Gigi and Cersei's mocktails. And then you have meal plans. And again, I just love your meal plans because as a kid that was overweight and I was always put on diets and stuff, when I think of meal plan, I think of, ooh, ooh, this is going to tell me everything I can't eat. And I read yours and you start out breakfast, day one, carrot cake baked oatmeal, <laughs> southwestern salad in a jar over a bed of mixed salad greens and vegan mac and cheese. I mean, what is not to love? <laughs> so yeah. as we wind down our time together, let's just talk a little bit about the celebration of food. What do you guys eat? Do you like to spend your time in the kitchen? Do you like to have as little time there as possible and still eat great food? How does that work for you? Yeah. Um, we in our house and Kevin is often a Guinea pig because I'll do a lot of the recipe testing here. And um, I love being in the kitchen and, you know, for me, I do have some things that I eat kind of on the regular. The one thing it's like, if I, if I go a day without this one thing, it's like I'm thrown off and that's just basically a huge salad. It's like a huge salad with a rainbow of different vegetables. The Southwestern salad in a jar is a good example of one. Um, but even still, I'll just take whatever I have in my refrigerator that I need to use up. So I'll take beets and jicama and carrots and cabbage and throw in some chickpeas or black beans or whatever lentils, whatever I have, and um, just make a huge, I mean, it's literally in a mixing bowl. It's like that big. And um, that is something that I eat every single day is a big salad. And of course I'll have like kimchi and, or some kind of fermented vegetable on there as well. So yeah, the big salad is a is a great one. Um, and I'm a lover of beans. Like, you know, Gigi knows, like I <laughs> I was in a bean club, you know, but beans are one of my things because what I realized is that when I look back at how I was eating before, I really wasn't eating that many options, you know. And now that I am over on this side, the variety of beans and grains and fruits and vegetables has blown my mind and it's almost like a re-falling in love with food in a different way. So for me, it, it excites me to learn something new and to eat something different. So what are some of your favorite things to do with beans? I think a lot of people come to this way of life and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, I remember what the plate looked like and there was a piece of meat and there was a starchy vegetable yeah. and there was some other vegetable. And now I'm gonna just put some beans where the meat was. I think yeah. we can do better than that. What What do you do with yeah, these beans? Yeah, the beans are so versatile, though. Like, I mean, beans can be made, like, into, obviously, every hummus is the great uniter, right? You can make beans into the hummus, but you make beans into burgers, beans into stews, beans just thrown on the salad, beans into brownies, beans into desserts. Like, it goes on and on yeah. that a lot of times we limit what a bean is. We're just looking at a few beans on the table, but beans can be mashed, baked, roasted. I mean, they could be just made in yeah. so many different ways that just are so different in texture and different in flavor that it's amazing. 
Yeah, we've got a really good recipe on our website. It's basically a pasta. It's a puttanesca spaghetti a la puttanesca made with butter beans, yeah. um, olives and capers and a tomato sauce. And it is so divine. Like it is really, really good. And those butter beans, um, and we have a, a mushroom pasta dish as well um, that uses the butter beans or cannellini beans. And they're just like the texture of them, you know, are just, they're very meaty and, but they're soft, but they're also, there's a flavor to them, but it's not overpowering. It's just really, really a nice, nice bean, but we've got so many, there's so many other beans and, and, um, you know, I love to, for me with beans, other than putting them on my salad or in pasta, you know, even just doing like a bowl, you know, like a Buddha bowl type bowl with, you know, brown rice and, you know, vegetables. And then it comes down to just varying the sauce that you put on it as well. So stir fries, pastas, you know, salads, rice bowls or grain bowls, you know, soups and stews, like, you know, Cersei mentioned, there's so much you can do with them. It's it's so (laughs) comforting. It's um, hard to think that one could be missing anything. Mm -hmm. So I do have one more announcement, which is the reason why I was hanging out with Dr. Mills today. I have started a new project, which is a salon on Unchanged TV. And that's basically salon. I have Jane Velez Mitchell, who has Unchained TV, said, pronounce it the French way. So for now, it is the Main Street Vegan Salon, which Mm -hmm. means wonderful meetings and wonderful conversations with incredible people, not talking so much about the how-to of what we do, but about the what makes you tick. Where did you come from? Why are you the person that you are today? So we recorded the first uh, episode today. I did episode zero, which was kind of introducing everything. And then episode one with Dr. Milton Mills. And you can find that on Unchained TV, which you can download from the app store and start watching that and all kinds of other remarkable programming. They have a wonderful reality show called Pig Little Lies about adopting some potbelly pigs. Also, all of the classic vegan and plant-based documentaries are there and lots and lots of programming, including live news programming that has to do with anything vegan, animal rights, plant-oriented that we're not going to see on the medium, Main Street Media. So have a look. And uh, of course, thank you so much for taking this listen to the Main Street Vegan Podcast. Such a pleasure to have you all here. And just in closing, if I can get one last question with you guys, Gigi and Cersei, how can faith help us take better care of our bodies? I think it comes back to, again, um, thinking outside of ourselves, bigger than ourselves, right? When we um, realize that we are co-laborers with God, that we are here on this earth to um, do good and to make this world a better place. And part of that is taking care of our body to fulfill that. Then I think faith and how we treat our bodies now become the perfect um, tango because of that, um, because it allows you to execute um, what God has for you in your life. Yeah. And I'll just add that 
we call this the fifth why for going mm-hmm. vegan. You know, people go vegan for animal reasons, for the environment, for their health, for social justice reasons. And this reason, as far as connecting it to your faith, is that fifth reason for going vegan. And I think the more we're able to get this message out to more people, um, the more we're able to help them make that connection, to see that connection um, for those faith-minded people out there. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. So to find out more about these wonderful women and their terrific work, uh, their website, at least one of them, is healthyformypurpose.com. You can find them on Instagram at Daniel Fast Healthy Living, and we will put all of their references and URLs in the show notes at MainStreetVegan.com. The book again is Daniel Fast, Why You Should Only Do It Once. And please, please take a look at this book. It is such a delicious book. Not only those great recipes, but there's sections for your notes, there's sections for food journaling, gratitude lists. You will love this book. If you don't love this book, then see me about it because I know you will love this book and then you'll love the food and then you'll love your life more and more and more. And isn't that what it's all about? Thanks everybody for listening. Go out there and live your life, love all life and make a difference. God bless till next time. Thanks for listening. Find out more about today's episode at MainStreetVegan.com, where you can also learn how to take your vegan or plant-based outreach to the professional level through Main Street Vegan Academy. And join our inner circle at the Main Street Vegan Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind, Body, Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.